0: Take out a piece of paper. Think of that as your process. So what happens is technicians, comfort advisors, they start taking away from their process. And what I mean by that is they go inside the house and they go, you know what? I'm not going to go ahead and clean the coil outside. But you know what? I still turned it over and the comfort advisor sold it. So every time you shortcut a process, imagine that paper ripping. And at the end of summer, you have a broken process and there's hundreds and maybe thousands of pieces of paper. We'll throw that paper confetti up in the air, right? Watch it fall to the ground. That's your broken process. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a
1: podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you today, dropping a new episode with a special guest. This time we got none other than J-Dub Moneymaker, also known as Jason Walker, on with us. We're super excited to be talking with him about the power of a process. And as we do with our process here, we start every episode out with a quote. Let's hear it, Brian. If you quit on the process, you are quitting on the result. Idawu
2: Koyanikin. <laughs> I have no idea what how, that name is. How many times did you take to practice that? Uh, I didn't actually say it out loud yet, so that was the first time. I'm, just, I'm trying to Idawu Koyanikin. Nice. Yeah. I, there, there it was. I like it. I like it. And if, I also if like Mr. Koyanikin's listening deepest, sincere apologies for the way I butchered (laughs) your name.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, so if you're a Sixers fan, you know all about trusting the process, and that's something that we want to focus on in this particular episode, the whole concept of following a process, having a process, and then actually implementing it. And the idea here is, to give an analogy for you, is to build a house, right? So uh, let's say that Brian wanted to go out and he wanted to build a house, and he went out and he bought uh, some random lumber, uh, he got a couple uh, tools together, maybe a power saw found a, a plot of land and, uh, you know, some concrete blocks and just started throwing stuff together. The likelihood of him coming up with a nice, good looking, secure house, uh, not, not too high, right? It's not going to look too good. And who knows if it's even going to be structurally worthy to stand on that place. Uh, So there's so many things that need to be involved in the process of building a house, right? So the first thing is generally a blueprint. You start off with a blueprint so you know exactly what size house and the dimensions of each room and the heights and the materials that you will need. And then you take that and you get a plot plan done, meaning that you don't just go out to a random place of uh, ground and throw up a house somewhere on it. You have to measure setbacks and you have to determine what angle you want the house to sit on the property. You might have to take into account things like drainage and water runoff or perhaps how the house sits on a particular plot of a hill or maybe you want to take into account the sun and where that's positioned. So there's many things to even, to even be done before you actually start seeing anything that's going on. And then once that's all determined, you actually start gathering your materials. And this isn't just some random... Hey, let's get a couple two by fours and let's get uh, you know, some shingles. No, you know that I need I need, you know, 35 of this and I need two skids of that, and I need 10 square of shingles and whatever it may be. You put the list together, you purchase the materials, and then you start contracting people who actually know what they're doing and you you make the house go. And slowly but surely. So much work has been laid down, but slowly, but surely you start seeing the progress and that progress turns into dirt piles. And then there's concrete blocks in the ground. And then before too long, there's joists and walls and windows and shingles and trusses. And we get to a place where you're actually looking at a house and you look back and you say, did this house just happen? No. It didn't because there was a process to get you there. And that's the point of the podcast. That's the point of the subject that we want to focus on today. And that's a good point, buddy. <clears throat> but let's let's take it down
2: to a more uh, micro level and talk about a morning routine or the lack of a morning routine or process. I know that myself, so if I get up at 4.15 and the plan is I'm going to the gym, I need to be at the gym by 5.30, work out until like 6.15, and then I have to hit the shower and head to the shop. If I – part of my process is before bed, I have to go get my gym bag, I have to go get the clothes that I'm going to wear tomorrow on the hangers, put them in my car, everything I need for the gym, dress shoes and dress socks and belt and towel and deodorant and all that stuff. As many guys here know, there's – on occasion, I'll just – I'll forget your deodorant. Yes, we know that. <laughs> How dare you? The best it ever smells in here. <laughs> the uh, The process breaks down when I don't do that the night before. So I, I get off my process and then I'm throwing my gym bag together and running out the door. And I'm, I'm not relaxed and I'm not calm. <clears throat> and my workout is less effective and I will come to work in black dress shoes, black pants, and white socks.
1: I've seen it. Michael Jackson.
2: Not just white socks, white socks that I just worked out in.
1: And, and, and even uh, better. what was the comment that uh, some ladies at the gym issued to you? Uh, that's a good look. Yeah. That's a good I, I was look.
2: walking through the hall out back out the gym, uh, looking down to see that my pant hopefully covered all the way when I was walking, but I pulled it up a little bit and it just so happened to be an, an employee looked down and said, that's a good
1: look. like, dang it. Yeah, and I think uh, it was Brennan that said, uh, you know, maybe you broke out the bedazzler at that point and put on your work gloves.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually feeling pretty good about myself that morning because I made it on time, got a good workout in, and I'm getting in the gym shower that I've been using for I don't know how long. And one thing I always know is when I crank that, that valve over, that Moen 1222, the water comes out. It's not dribbling, but it's not spraying. <clears throat> and it takes forever for the temperature to get right because there's just no water pressure. And for whatever reason, for the first time, I remembered Brian, you're a plumber and you have a Leatherman hanging, uh, sorry, a dot day.com Leatherman hanging on the side of your, your workout shorts. And I popped that out and popped the shower head off and took the restrictor out, <laughs> dumped it. Maybe you may or may not have punched an extra hole in it and put it back. And all of a sudden I have a great shower and I was so proud of myself. So why didn't
1: I do this? Yeah. Literally a 10 minute analogy for you to just prove a point that you still know how to do a little bit of plumbing work. Yeah. Thanks for that. I've only never, ever known how to do a little bit of plumbing
2: work to (laughs) to be fair (laughs) to plumbing. (laughs) And I, uh, had a great shower and I come out and I'm getting, I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? It's already a good morning. And then I, I look into the bag and I turn the bag upside down and give it a shake and no dress socks fall out. <laughs> so Power of, of
1: a process.
2: Instead of that being the most fantastic morning ever, I had to walk around in damp, sweaty socks for the entire day for the simple fact that the night before, for whatever reason, I variated from my process. And when you And when you give up on the process, you give up on the result. And the result is supposed to be a smooth transition from leaving the house to working out to getting to the shop. <clears throat> and it's no different. It's no different on our presentations. You should, it doesn't mean every word you say is scripted. It's impossible to have that. But you should have your process from, uh, there are different variations of it. But in, in my world, what I used was, I just needed to make sure I remembered warm up, discovery, uh, presentation, closing. These were the four main things that I had to, to um, follow. So I, I get to know the client and I'm somebody with whom that can take five minutes or it can take 45 minutes because I'm not moving forward until that invisible barrier of anxiety or whatever you want to call it of, of just uncomfortability is gone. And then moving into discovery where I'm checking out the plumbing system and then moving into where I'm presenting Options and then moving into where I'm asking them to go ahead and become owners of this product today.
1: Yeah. So I, I would encourage you as a listener um, to actually take some time to document this. Okay. So you're going to hear from our guest today, J Dub, and he is going to be laying out uh, some of the stuff about his process. And I think that's going to be fantastic. Really excited to have that conversation. And maybe you even stop right now and you hit the pause button. And I want you to think about what is your process when you go to a service call, when you go to a sales call, whatever it is, I want you to write down categorically from start to finish what you do. And if the beginning of your paper just has one step on it and that's show up, then you don't have a process. And if that's the case, you probably also do not have consistent results. And I think it's important and perhaps even eye-opening to actually document that down and look at it on a piece of paper. No different than looking at a map to use another analogy. If Brian and I wanted to take the waste No day podcast on the road and we wanted to drive to say Los Angeles, what's the best way to get there? Well, ideally a GPS, but let's, you know, let's say that Brian, Brian's cell phone battery was dead because he's texting nonstop and we had to break it out on the map and we actually had to follow instructions, you know, that would be our most secure way of getting to los angeles would be following the instructions and the only way that you have instructions is if somebody or something has written them down for you and for those of you who are questioning about the idea of a process or wondering if you have one or what it is it might not be a bad idea to just actually write it down take some time and write down your process and in that that exercise as it were might actually bring to your attention some areas that are missing or some inconsistencies that you're just living with. You know, maybe you have a solid step one and step two, but man, you're not quite sure what happens between step two and step seven. You know, a, a lot of different things happen in there and you're, you're struggling. So even that exercise of writing things down could really bring to light uh, some obvious areas of focus that you need to put some effort towards.
2: Yeah. And, the, and in- a very basic easy way to start is that is to have let's just say I have three four five bullet points where these are the five things that I have to do on every on every call <clears throat> and say I'll write those out as bullet points and then just start filling out in between them and I don't want to get too much into process and presentation as we have somebody coming on who is a professional presentation trainer so we can let him get into that in more detail but the important the important thing is, is that you have a process. And if you don't have a process yet, you didn't miss the boat. Now's the time to start working on getting that process.
1: Absolutely.
2: Let's get this thing down.
1: All right. So without further ado, we're going to bring in our guest, Jason Walker. <laughs> So our guest today is none other than Jason Walker, also known as JW Moneymaker. He's got his own podcast, HVAC Masters of the Hustle. He's got an entire empire, shall we say, of uh, training materials and devoted fans and people who are following him and taking their life, their careers to the next level. We're super excited to have him on the show. So welcome, Jason.
0: Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here on your guys' podcast. Thank you for the invite, and uh, I'm excited to be able to give your listeners, everyone tuning in and listening to this podcast, some knowledge and hopefully get you guys to the next level.
2: That's fantastic, man. It's great great to have you on the show, Jay. um, It's nice to finally actually talk to you. We go back and forth on social media a bit, but have never actually had a conversation, so it's good to meet you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Vice versa, man. Uh, First off, like, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording the podcast, and I just want to tell all your listeners, you know, um, congratulations on the podcast, you know, starting it off in January. You guys want to help people grow to the next level as well. So, like I said, I'm very thankful to be a part of your uh, podcast today.
1: Thank you. Cool. Thanks, man. It means a lot. Yeah, well, hey, Jay, we want to jump into uh, knowing a little bit about you as our guest here, and one of the things that we like to do on Waste No Day is find out how you got into the trades, like what got you in there, where'd you start, and then what was your progression to get you where you are now?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. So I started in this industry, believe it or not, let's see, about 11 years ago, and I was a police officer before I jumped into this industry. Okay. And... Yeah, uh, law enforcement, I was laid off from the budget cut uh, back in 2009 and started in this trade. And my father-in-law was my operations manager. I never thought in a million years I was going to go from law enforcement to HVAC. never crossed my mind. (laughs) And all of a sudden, 11 years later, here I am in the industry. And, you know, it's a hidden gem. I tell everyone that. But when I started, I started off as your warehouse shop cleaner, like indoor air quality duct cleaner, right? Yeah. When I hired, when I was hired, the company that I worked for, they didn't have a, an established indoor air quality department. So I was doing maybe one to two duct cleanings a week. And so on the off time or when I wasn't doing duct cleans, I was at the warehouse cleaning it up, getting things organized showing up at the office at 5.30 in the morning with the install trucks lined up. And I was that grunt that was throwing away the ductwork, sweeping out the trucks. You know, I was making $13 an hour. And as I progressed, uh, I ended up helping building their indoor air quality department where I was doing one to two a week and six months into it. I was doing one to two a day. We were booked out about a month. So once I really got to see something really grow and the opportunity and everything, I knew I was hooked. You know, I knew that there was a lot of opportunity in this industry as well. So I progressed and I wanted to learn uh, how these things were installed. Right. So I went into install, started as an install helper, worked my way to a lead installer. Then from there, uh, you know, I got promoted to a parts manager as a parts manager. That was really the, uh, um, you know, the low, the low, I guess, you know, I'm not sure of people that are listening across the state, but I was making about 55,000 salary at this time. And when I was making 55,000 salary in many states, you guys can live off of that. But unfortunately, in the state of California, it's really hard to live off <laughs> That's
1: like the poverty level out there, isn't it? <laughs> it?
0: Exactly. Right. And I felt like that. And I felt like I was selling my family and. You know, I had a tundra at the time that, that I had, and it, it got repoed, not just once you guys, but twice. Right.
1: Wow.
0: And the second time it got repoed, it got repoed at my work office. Ooh. And when it got, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Imagine the front lady office coming into your uh, office in the back and saying, Hey, um, there's a tow truck that just hooked your car out up front. And, uh, I think you need to go out there.
1: So then you, you have so to talk about your it, cop friends <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, right? So, so talk about embarrassment, right? And so it was really that week I took a look at myself and I was like, man, I'm tired of you know, living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of you know, living this life where I, I don't know where I'm going to be paying my bills or I don't know where my money is going to be coming from to pay the bills. And you know, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast have either felt like this, feel like this right now, And I'm telling you guys, you guys could change this, right? And so at that time, I went to the owner and I said, man, give me an opportunity to be a comfort advisor. And I never, you know, done sales in my life. So the owner was very hesitant, as you could imagine, right? And when I say he's hesitant, he didn't tell me right away. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and uh, give you a comfort advisor position, Jason. It took him about two weeks to really contemplate this. And, you know, he called me into his office two weeks later and said, Jason, go ahead and sit down. And what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to be a comfort advisor. We're going to send you to St. Louis. And this was like Thursday, maybe Friday. And he said, you got to jump on a plane on Saturday, fly to St. Louis, and your training starts on Monday. (laughs) Nice. I'm trying to wrap everything around my mind. I'm like, all right, I got to go home and pack. I got to tell the wife that I'm going to St. Louis, you know. So it was a big jump for me. And I went to Airtime 500 in St. Louis at the Jury Inn Hotel in Ballpark Village. And I was sitting in a room of probably 100 plus comfort advisors. And let me tell you guys, it was crazy because I'm looking at the training book that they gave me, right? And I'm thinking when I got sent to this training that it was the beginner's class for airtime. Well, no, 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 no. It was their sales expert level two, right? (laughs) So I'm looking around this room. Everyone already knows their sales process. Everyone already knows the game of, of HVAC sales, right? And I have no idea. But what I know is that at the end of the week, On Friday, they have a uh, pass or fail test, which is a role play, and they bring in a live homeowner, and you got to do it in front of all the peers in the class, right?
1: With an actual homeowner.
0: (laughs) With an actual homeowner, right? (laughs) So so it was either pass or fail. So I absorbed everything as I, I can as possible like a sponge. And I would go after training, and I'd go back to my room, and I would study, study, study. Now Friday came and I passed, but I'm not gonna say I dominated it because by any means I did not dominate it at all, and I did enough to pass. And when I went back, the company that I worked for, uh, they were around for 32 years at that point. They never had a comfort advisor hit two million. So there was eight months left of the calendar year, and I was the first comfort advisor to hit two million. I actually hit 2.2 million in eight months. Nice. Of the calendar year, yeah. Wow. Um, I doubled, I doubled my income, right? So I went from making a 60,000 salary to making one hundred twenty thousand. So I was paying my bills. I wasn't stressed on income, and then all of a sudden, I went to a uh, another training event, and I sat with another two million dollar comfort advisor, and this was seven years ago, and he said, "How much did you make off your two million?" And I told him I made uh, 120000 And the response I got, you guys, was not the response that I was thinking I was going to get. He laughed at me. And when he laughed at me, I was like, what the heck? Hit to my ego, right? Right. And, and uh, he tells me he made about 200000 like 198000 And so as we progressed and talked, I learned that you could work smarter, not harder. Right. And when I talk about that, I talk about, you know, my first year as a comfort advisor, I sold everything how I bought everything. Right. So I didn't believe in 6.9 percent, 9.9 percent financing because I didn't offer it because I didn't think people would buy. It. So I offered everything at zero percent for five years like you'd be buying a car. Right. And so. I I would finance everything, and on the back end, as you guys could imagine, I was just losing my commission, losing my commission because of the huge merchant fee, right? So not really understanding my tools. As well as a homeowner would give me an objection, and I would discount it. they give me another objection. I would discount it. And all of a sudden, I'm making 4% average when I start off at 10%. So there's a lot of learning curve to do, which – After speaking to this gentleman, I knew that I could work smarter, not harder. So continuing that, uh, the following year, I hit over 3 million. Um, I've done consecutive 3 million, 3.8 million. I do, uh, you know, I closed 72% on tech turnovers, about 67% on marketing calls, average ticket 19,500. And I would go to these training events and these guys would hear these numbers that I'm throwing out. And there is a want and there was a need. You know, business owners, they'd be like, oh, man, Jay, you want to go to a baseball game tonight? You want to go to a nice steak dinner? And I was like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. You know, this, there's a want, there's a need there. And so I went back and I said, how can I reach more people without just going to these trainings every quarter, right? Well, almost three years ago, boom, that's when the podcast HVAC Masters of the Hustle was born. And as I progressed on the podcast, people would hit me up asking me if I did on-site training, which I've never done onsite on-site training. And just to let you guys know for your listeners and everyone listening to the podcast right now, I'm an introvert, right? I'm a shy person. So if you guys ever meet me in person and I'm a little shy, that's just because that's how I am. But <laughs> when I, I understand, you know, when I'm on stage in front of thousands of people in Las Vegas and all these events that I go to, I understand that when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and you can succeed in that, man, just guy's the limits of what you can do when you're comfortable, right? So I always find myself putting myself in these uncomfortable situations, but I thrive in them, right? So I talk about finding your inner beast. You know, my inner beast is J-Dub, which is a nickname that was given to me, which I'll continue talking as we continue the podcast. But I ended up doing an on-site training uh, two years ago. And it was for a gentleman in San Diego. And I rode along with this selling tech. And the conversation that I had three months after our training, I'll never forget because it changed my life. Three months after he was a single father, he called me and said, man, Jason, I got to tell you, you changed my life in the last three months. You more than doubled my income, almost tripled it. I was able to pay off all my credit card debt. Being a single father, I was never able to afford like a nice dress for my daughters for their uh, school dances. I was able to do that today, and he passed the phone over to his daughters, and they thanked
1: me. Oh man! Now,
0: yeah. was, right? So, I mean, it's cool when you sell an HVAC system, and you know you're helping an old, you know, an elderly couple when they have a no heat or a no cool. And you're happily involving them or maybe a young couple couple that have a little baby or an infant, right? It feels good to happily involve them. But when I heard that I was changing someone's life, I mean, it was game mode. I was hooked. Absolutely. I was hooked. And that's when I progressed on my on-site training. I did one per month and uh, I would just continue them. And then all of a sudden I was doing, I was a comfort advisor in Bell Brothers here in Sacramento in Northern California so I was working 10 hours, 12 hours a day and then I was coming back doing my podcast at night and then I would leave uh, one week per month and I was doing on onsite, building my on site training and all of a sudden I'd push a second one back a year out because our agreement was that they would allow me one a month and all of a sudden two got to where it was like, oh man, I'm booked out a year now doing two and so I took the leap of faith and I ended up uh, going all in as a uh, national sales trainer, I'm the quickest, fastest national sales trainer in the nation. Um, I'm booked out over a year. I do four a month, three to four a month, and I travel the nation from the East Coast to the West Coast, and it's absolutely crazy, you guys. Wow. So that that's a little bit about my story right there of how I progressed in the industry and how I became J-Dub Moneymaker and with the podcast HVAC Masters of the Hustle.
1: I love it. Now I'm curious, like when, when you got laid off from the police force there, you know, what was it that actually got you to check out the trades? Was, was it a a moment of opportunity? Like, well, I guess I got to make some money, so I guess I'll go here. Or was there something about it that attracted you to it?
0: So nothing really attracted me to it. It was my (laughs) father-in-law. I mean, the addicts, you know,
1: the the heat. Oh yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) No, 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 none of that. I, I never wanted to be in 160, 180 degree attics. I never wanted to be up there breathing fiberglass insulation, rolling around in this stuff, itching, right? But my father in law, uh, you know, I was going to be testing through another law enforcement up in Southern California. And at the end of the day, I don't think he wanted to see his little princess move across the state. So, uh,
1: okay. you know, he, he was the
0: operations manager at the company that I started with. And, uh, he's the one that got me to the industry and I owe everything to him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am today.
1: You do free training for his company. <laughs> I do not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do not
1: easily 10% off though. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Family friend discount. Right.
1: That's good stuff, man. Um, well, Hey, we're, we were talking about the, uh, the power of a process on this subject for the podcast here. And that's something that I believe you specialize in. And so we want to jump into that now and talk about what is the importance of having a process?
0: Oh man, it is so important to have a process. You know, one thing I talk about, and I'm so excited that we're talking about processes, right? So for your listeners right now, if you guys are driving or in the office or something like that, pull over real quick because I want you guys to do a quick little exercise.
2: Don't be late to your about call,
0: process, <laughs> Yeah, don't be late to your call, though, right? <laughs> so p- press pause if you have to. Go run your call, but take out a piece of paper, right, and think of that as your process. And all of a sudden, we're in summertime, right, and we're weather-driven in summer, or at least our industry is weather-driven. And at the end of the day, the urgency is there in the summertime. So what happens is technicians, comfort advisors, they start taking away from their process, you guys. And what I mean by that is they go inside the house and they go, you know what, um, I'm not going to go up in the attic today, right, and check out the ductwork. But you know what, I still turn the system over and the comfort advisor still sold it. Whereas a technician, you go out there and you go, you know what, I'm not going to go ahead and clean the coil outside, you know. But you know what? I still turned it over and the comfort advisor sold it. Or a comfort advisor goes out there and goes, you know what? I'm not going to do my manual j heat load calculation because I have other appointments on me. But they sold it and happily involved their homeowner, right? So every time you shortcut a process, imagine that paper ripping, right? And at the end of summer, you have a broken process and there's hundreds and maybe thousands of pieces of paper like a puzzle inside your hand right now. Well, throw that paper confetti up in the air, right? Make that rain. Watch it fall to the ground. That's your broken process. So what happens is these guys and girls, when summer's over, right, we're in the industry of a roller coaster ride, you guys, and what happens is we get inside our own head, and we start putting that pressure on our homeowners, and we start putting that pressure on ourselves, and we start trying to piece our process back together, which, isn't possible or isn't not possible, but it's gonna take a lot of hard work and dedication to repiece everything, right? And that's what happens is people start trying to repiece their process together and they fail and they start getting in their own mindset and their percentages start dropping. They start getting complaints from homeowners and clients and everything like that. So that's the important of a process is making sure that you're consistent every time you go in the house and you don't deviate from it.
1: That's, that's so good. I love that analogy there of just kind of um, subtly whittling away at your own success to the point where you you get to the end of the the season or, you know, the end of the the time period and you're left standing there saying like, what, what's not, why isn't it working anymore? What changed here?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's what they're stuck, you know, in September, October, November. A lot of technicians and comfort advisors find themselves in that situation where, you know, they're beating themselves up. They're putting that pressure on that homeowner. You know, one thing that I teach when I go to these trainings and I'm on site is a seven-step process, which is bulletproof. I mean, it's changed my game to the next level. It's changed thousands of people that i cha- uh, trained across the nation to the next level. The way that I break it, break it down is um, the doorknob right? The importance of introducing yourself. How do you introduce yourself when you're getting prejudged in five seconds, you guys? What are you doing to start breaking down that homeowner's wall, right? Getting that time commitment at that door, right? On top of that, telling them what you're going to be doing. You're, the expectancy of what what's going to be involved in your service, uh, uh, your service appointment, your tune-up, Or you're engineering a system, right? Letting them know that you need to walk around all the rooms and all that. Letting them aware of what's going on, why it's going to take 60 to 90 minutes. And then getting to a table where it's comfortable to do a comfort survey, right? A comfort survey is going to really pull out the objections, hot or cold spot, problem areas in the home. It's going to help you build a relationship with the homeowner because at the end of the day, you guys, we're strangers to homeowners, all right? I want you guys to understand this. We are strangers to homeowners and we are men and women walking into these houses. And if we don't establish a relationship with them, when we walk around the house to do a manual J heat load calculation, which I hope all the listeners are doing them because no one else is doing them in the industry. So separate yourself from everyone. But when you're walking around the house doing that, their walls are down, right? They're not, not, they're not walking around over your shoulder. You're still having to walk around with you, Helping you with the heat load calculation, maybe writing down the measurements or with the tape measure, right? But they're not an ease. They know who you are. So after a comfort survey, you go into a PowerPoint presentation. You explain to the homeowner why you work for the company you work for. What makes you different? What makes your company different when there's, you know, a hundred different companies in a 60 mile radius? You have to establish what makes you different than all your competitors out there. And then rolling from the, the PowerPoint presentation to a heat load calculation, walking around the house, doing all your measurements, you guys, you know, measuring all the windows in the home, taking in consideration the square footage of the home, the height of the ceiling, the insulation level that's up in the attic, how many bedrooms are in the home, turns out by two per body heat. You know, we're not there to guess with our clients hard earned money. We're there to be professional and we're there to give them the best uh the best options possible that are affordable to them so we have to make it affordable right now after we do our heat load calculation i talk about sitting down at the table and doing a spartan brag bag with the homeowner giving them all the visuals of everything that you're going to be doing you know hard start kit sediment gas trap, 15 percent silver compared to five percent silver a single wall gas flex line compared to a dual wall gas flex line Letting them touch, letting them feel this stuff, it's so important because at the end of the day, I want you guys to understand, a confused mind doesn't what? Thought, right? That's right. So at the end of the day, we want to inform and educate. And I, I, I was born with severe learning disabilities and everything like that. So I'm a visual person. And, you know, I understand that when a homeowner is only doing this once or twice in their life and a confused mind doesn't buy, why am I not going to educate them uh, with visuals and let them touch and feel all this stuff as well? Because, again, no one else is doing this stuff. And then after the Spartan brag bag, putting a dollar figure on your home, or not your uh, home warranty, on your warranties, right? What's separating you from all your competitors? And then presenting options. How many options do you present? Why do you present options? So that's my seven-step process. It is bulletproof, and it is very important that if you guys don't have a process, find someone that has built a good process. There's plenty of trainers out there in the industry in any trade, right? And find a mentor and learn what they're doing.
1: That's awesome, Jay. Now I, I love, uh, I love the simplicity of the seven steps there. So we got the door knock and introduction. And then you're going to tell them what you're going to be doing. And then why do you work for the company that you do and what makes you different? Then you get into the, the nitty gritty, right? The calculations and, and kind of doing the whole thing. And then you sit down and you just like brag on, you know, you, the company, the product, everything you're bringing to the table, touch and feel moments, all that stuff, breakdown of the warranty and then present options at the end. Did I get it right?
0: Absolutely. But very, very key, while we are doing this presentation, we're playing seeds and nuggets throughout the whole presentation, always being two steps in front of our homeowner, right? So for instance, when I talk about our company, I'm putting us on a pedestal, I'm putting myself on a pedestal, and I put it back on them, I said, does this sound like the right company you want to do business with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, I'm going to use that for my ammunition, right? If they say that they're getting multiple estimates, I know how to close those doors, you know? So we have to make sure that not only are we doing these presentations or we're having a process, but we're also planting seeds and nuggets throughout our presentations that we can use for our arsenal so we could close those doors and give them price because price is the biggest thing. Once we give price, we are dead in the water. So you guys need to make sure all the doors are closed.
1: That's right. All right. So, uh, pushing back on you a little bit, Jay, you know, uh, uh I'm just going to say that, uh, Hey, this process stuff, I mean, it sounds good and all, but you know, I, I just feel it out. Like I go into the call and I feel, out every call's different. Every homeowner's different. And like, you know, I don't want to get stuck in some type of rhythm where I feel like it's caged or canned or whatever. And like, you know, uh, I'm reading from a book, you know, I, I kind of, I, I go where the wind blows me and however the customer is approaching it, I change it up so that I adapt to them. What do you say to that, that, uh, pushback?
0: Ah, you know, at the end of the day, you do got to be a chameleon, right? So you got to adapt just like you said, every single appointment is different. But I still am a firm believer that you have to have a consistent process and you can't take away. So one thing that you said right now is homeowners, you know, you kind of allow them to direct maybe where you're going at the start, right? I'm a firm believer that we have to take control at the beginning of the appointment. The reason why is because if a homeowner or a client is controlling the beginning of the appointment, who's gonna normally close uh, control the close?
1: Yeah, not right? you. It's not
0: usually gonna be the homeowner, right? right? And usually if you start your presentation standing up by the door or by the thermostat or walking around asking your questions, you usually find yourself closing repairs or a system either at the door or at the thermostat standing up wherever you start, right? So that's why I like to just sit down, have that communication with the homeowner and start with that comfort survey and really build that trust and rapport with the homeowner because before I break away, again, you got to realize we're all grown men and women walking into these houses and we're strangers, right? So we have to establish the relationship up front and then walk around. That's why I'm a firm believer of that.
1: I love it. Now, that process that you just described there is very much a, a comfort advisor uh, you know sales process where you're going to be you know you're dedicating 60 90 120 minutes with the homeowner if i'm more of a service technician and i'm i'm in the field and i'm there you know to to diagnose or i'm there to do a maintenance or you know i'm looking i'm a plumber and i'm looking at somebody's leaking water heater do you think the same seven steps apply or, or is there some variation there
0: so the seven steps will not apply for a technician there's still going to be a process though So you're still going to do your introduction of the door knock, right? Breaking down the walls, doing the same exact role play. Because I talk about passing the baton, right? I want everyone from answering the phone, from uh, the lady or gentleman dispatching the call, from the technician going out there, to the comfort advisor going out there, to the install team going out there, everyone saying the same thing at at the door, right? Showing a level of concern, introducing yourself. How would you like to be addressed? miss uh betty brown oh call me miss brown all right miss brown so there's a lot of things that go into it so yeah a technician will still do that they'll still get the uh you know uh, sit down with the comfort survey they're going to still find out hot or cold spots and everything but then after the comfort survey they're going to go and they're going to start their tuna now i call it touching the the homeowner or our client every 15 minutes right so as they're working on the system every 15 minutes I'm a firm believer that you bring up maybe not a concern to the homeowner you could if you do find a concern absolutely bring it up but you might just go up to the homeowner and say hey I'm going to go ahead and grab my ladder real quick so and go pop myself me, up in the attic.
1: Let me interrupt you there. What what is the purpose behind the 15 minute uh, you know touch points?
0: The the to keep them informed because I want to make sure that they're informed on everything that's going on. So if once I leave them, I'm going to say, Hey, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and go take a look at the system as a technician. Right. So I'm going to go up in the attic, but then I'm going to open those, those furnace doors. Right. And all of a sudden I find a dirty blower and all this, I'm going to pull the blower and I'm going to go bring that to the homeowner and I'm going to show him. Right. I'm a visual person. So then after I show him that, I'm going to build a case, right? What do you think all this can do to a system? Oh, this, 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 and this. And then I'm going to continue my tune. Of, hey, I just wanted to make you aware of this. I just took the doors off, so I wanted to bring this to your attention. I'm going to still go through the system. Um, anything else I find outside of manufacturer specs, do you want me to go ahead and bring that to your attention? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so again, they just gave me permission, right? to let them know or educate them anything outside manufacturer specs. So now I'm gonna look for things so I can educate them. And usually I could do that every 15 minutes I'm finding something that I can educate them new on. And when I'm talking about systems, right? This is, I look at everything, you guys. I look at the system, I look at the ductwork, I look at the insulation, I look at the attic because the attic has a whole pressure cooker sitting on top of the house, right? So I look at radiant barriers, I look at and see if there was rodent damage if there's rodent feces up there for, I could do a remove fill and blow. So I look at all these different things so I can inform and educate the homeowners so they can make the best decision possible.
1: I love it. Okay. So once you've kind of done all of that investigation, kind of getting back to your process, do you then go back and sit down and, and do the show and tell and everything from a technician standpoint?
0: So, yeah. So, I'm still going to educate the homeowner about myself, why I work for the company I work for, what my company is about, right? Educating, informing them about the company. And then I'm going. if there's any repairs that need to be informed and educated, what I'm going to do is I do a paper towel close. Uh, a paper towel close has been something that's been trained in this industry for years and years and years. It's nothing I came up with, but it's something that I've done in the industry that works very, very, very well. And so you talk about uh, mandatory repairs, future repairs, I and mean, then nice to have, right? So as a technician, if I was to sit down at the table with the homeowner and I talk about, uh, we'll say the mandatory repairs today, to get your system operational is a new capacitor and a new motor, okay? So what's happening is your capacitor's completely failed and your motor, when it's running, uh, let's say it's leaking oil, or it has leaked oil, so the bearings on the inside are locked and seized, right? So your mandatory repair today is going to be $1,000, $1,200, whatever your capacitor and motor cost is. But then, Bob and Betty, your future repair cost is that compressor, right? So your compressor is like the heart of the AC system. Now, it's overamping right now, so it's out of manufacturer specs, but it hasn't failed yet. So what happens is, Imagine you driving your car and your RPMs are in the red, okay? How long is that engine going to last? Oh, it's not going to last that long, right? Well, now imagine you driving, that was a 70-degree day. Now imagine a 90-degree day. You're driving that same vehicle uphill and you look down again, RPMs are in the red. Now is that engine going to last longer or shorter? Oh, it's going to last shorter. I would have to agree with you, right? So with that being said, that future repair is going to be twenty five to $3,500. So just to get everything up to manufacturer specs, you're looking at about a $4,000 repair. Now, again, I don't know when the compressor is going to fail. I don't have a crystal ball. But when do you think it's most probable to fail? Hottest or coldest day of the year. I would have to agree <laughs> with you, right? <laughs> yeah, now, man. the 4th of July, right? You have pool parties. You have barbecues. You have big uh, uh, block parties. Kids are coming in and out of the house, right? Your system usually fails on 4th of July. Now, Bob and Betty, how busy do you think we are on 4th of July, right? Pretty busy, right? And it's not just us, it's everyone. And then also talking about nice to have. You know, I pulled out that blower. As you saw, it's extremely dirty and impacted. So what I would recommend is doing some indoor air quality packages to make sure that after we get everything up to manufacturer specs, potentially we could get another year or two out of it. You know, to do this package on indoor air quality is going to be another $1,500. So now you're looking at $5,500 to get your system up to uh factory fresh. Bob and Betty, what would you like to do? Oh, well, how much is a new one? That's 90% of your response right there after a paper towel close. And as a technician, if you're a turnover tech, that's about what you should be going for every single time on a system that needs to be replaced, right? Right. Going through the system, troubleshooting diagnostics and everything. If you do the paper towel clothes just like that, I promise you guys, 90% of the time. Well, how much is a new one? Well, again, as a technician, if you're a selling tech, go ahead and remove your your tech hat and put on a comfort advisor hat. Now you're in a sales role, right? But for those of you that are turning systems over, um, still get the repair. Okay. And this is where technicians fail is what happens is they hear the homeowner go, well, how much is a new one? And as a technician, they go, Oh, well, let me go ahead and call the office real quick and see when I can get one of my comfort advisors out here. Right. But they don't secure the part. So what I do when I go on site is I teach when I arrive with technicians, secure that part still, still get the skin in the game because if you don't secure that part, and they end up not moving forward with a new system with your company, you just put them on the market, right? right. But if you say, hey, you know what, Bob and Betty, you know, my shirt says Jason on it. That's because I went to school to work and fix these things. I'm Mr. Fix-It. And what I can do is go ahead and call a comfort advisor to come out here. But in the meantime, your system is op off right now. So I'm going to go ahead and order the parts for you. It might take 12, 24 hours, maybe 48 hours for the part to come in. So in the meantime, let's go ahead and take the check for the mandatory repairs today. If you end up moving forward with the new system, we'll go ahead and use that as a deposit. And if you don't move forward with the new system, you at least have the peace of mind that I'll be back here in 12 to maybe 48 hours to install the new part. So you have that peace of mind. So that's where technicians fail when they do turnovers.
1: I love it. Yeah. That's uh that, that you're absolutely right. That when that doesn't happen, the client is back on the market, meaning they kind of, they're in this weird state of, uh, they've just experienced two different people from your company in their home. And yet now they have this feeling that maybe we should just look around.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. Uh, okay. So I wanted to ask you about uh, another question about the process there If, um, if, if you're out in the field right now and you keep getting bumped out of your process, like how can you discipline yourself to get back on track? So, I mean, this, this happens from time to time and I'm sure as you, throughout your career, you've experienced it, right? So, you know, the door knock and the introduction and what you're going to be doing, that can all be, you know, pretty like straightforward and like, okay, within the first five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the call. But after that, like all kinds of things can happen. You know, the client has to go pick up Susie from soccer practice. Hey, I'll be back in a little bit. Or, uh, you know, they're busy. Oh, they got a cell phone call. Now they have to go take that and everything. And all kinds of things can happen to bump you out of the process. So what do you do to handle when things aren't going by the book?
0: Absolutely. Just like you said earlier, you got to be a chameleon. You got to adapt, right? And you have to ask questions, 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 questions. You know, um, if they plan on being on a Zoom meeting for work, right, it, again, a lot of times we fail because we don't ask enough questions. And, you know, if, and again, life happens, right? Someone might call them unexpectedly. But again, if you don't have the opportunity to do your process and to set yourself up for success and the best possible opportunity, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And you're not just shooting yourself in the foot with a nine millimeter pistol. You're blowing it with a shotgun. <laughs> right. So making sure that you guys ask a lot of questions, um, you know, who's all part of it. Who's, so I don't ask who's the decision maker. I say, who's who in the house touches the thermostat? Oh, me and my wife touch the thermostat. Oh, oh is, your gonna part, is your wife going to be a part? Is your wife going to be a part of the decision making? Oh, yeah, she's going to be part of the decision. Is she here? No, she's not here. Oh, will she be available by phone today? Uh, no, she's a nurse. You know, she's really busy. So right when they tell me that, I have a tool that I use, which is called the efficiency bonus, okay? So the way that I go about the efficiency bonus is, hey, you know, I understand that your wife's a nurse and that you guys are really busy or she's really busy working. But what I can do is it's always best to get – it's always best, right, To or most efficient, I should say, to get the sale first time in, right? right? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and reach out to my manager to see if he'll go ahead and extend an efficiency bonus. So every time I'm gonna come out to potentially talk to you and the wife or maybe come back to do the paperwork to happily involve you guys with the new system, it's gonna take away from me potentially bringing on another client, right? And our company, we're taking a lot of pride because as you know, we live in a crazy world today. And with COVID and everything, a lot of companies and businesses are shutting down and laying off employees. And knock on wood, we haven't done that. And we take a lot of pride in that, right? We are able to keep the food on the table for our employees. So let me ask you a question. If I was to reach out to my manager right now and he was able to extend you a efficiency bonus of $500 to make that phone call, would you say that phone call is worth $500? Uh, yeah. Absolutely, right? I've never had a homeowner tell me a phone call is not worth $500. Now, after they say yes, you say, okay, do you want to use my phone or your phone? And you take your phone out, right? You have to have them make that call in front of you. You have to close that door right there. Now, say they make the phone call, right? Hey, I'm sitting here. The AC guy's here. He wants to make sure that you're going to be available in the next 60, 60 minutes to go over options on the phone. Now, if they can't go over options, I'm going to go ahead and two-step it, okay?
1: All right. Explain that.
0: Uh, So when I two-step it, they don't know our process. So when we two-step something, you know, uh, setting ourselves up for the best possible situation. So if I know I'm walking into a one-legged where I don't have both decision-makers or both thermostat touchers, right, what I'm going to do is today's my engineering day. So Bob and Betty, I'm going to go ahead and do my manual J heat load calculation because I'm not here to guess with your hard-earned money. So it roughly takes me about 24, maybe 48 hours to custom tailor multiple options for you. But when I come out to present to whoever touches the thermostat or whoever's part of this decision, I'm going to go ahead and inform and educate you on multiple options across the board. And I'm also going to educate you on our promotions that we have on financing going on as well as uh, how much each system is going to drop your utility bill. And I do a utility overpayment with them so they see how much each system is going to put money back in their pocket once the best settles.
1: I love it. That's fantastic. The two-step uh, tango there.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't want to try to two-step every single call, right? But there are situations that we have to two-step it in order to set ourselves for the best possible situation because I want the listeners to understand once you guys give price, you guys are dead in the water. That's right. You guys walk outside that door, it's less than a 10% chance that you guys are going to be invited to go back out to that house. So it's important to get ink on paper, right? Same day, but I also want you guys to understand it's just as important as to get ink on paper as it is to get a next day install or a same day install or the first install available.
1: love it. Now, Jay, uh, let's say that I'm, uh, I am process All right. So either I, I just wing it every single call or I, you know, kind of, uh, sometimes do this, sometimes do that, whatever. Uh, and I'm hearing you and you've got these seven steps and that, that sounds pretty good. Where do I start? Like, where's the best place for me to focus? I mean, do I literally just listen to the bulletproof process that you laid out and go from there? Or like, you know, is it that easy? Like th- there has to be a little bit more to actually developing each one of those steps. And how do I begin that, uh, that learning
0: so you begin the learning of those steps by having j JDO come out to on-site or take advantage of one of the online trainings that I offer. So <laughs> yeah. I, can, I, I can do, I can, I mean, when I say it's a bulletproof process, I mean, when I train this stuff, I go into every single step and I break it down with, uh, you know, the psychology behind it, why we do it because a lot of technicians and comfort advisors don't understand the, the fact of why we do something right? So I want to educate them on why we do it, the importance of it, the psychology behind it, and also, uh, you know, why it's so important to stay consistent, you know? I mean, across the board, we have to stay consistent. Weldon Long is one of the best trainers, one of my mentors, and he has a book uh, talking about consistency of selling, right? Everyone that is your top 1% has some type of process, I promise you in any industry across the board. It doesn't have to be HVAC, but there's some type of process or something that they do religiously every single day. Right. And that's what keeps them focused. That's what keeps them on track.
1: That's right. So I I guess the obvious question is here, how do you know that you have a good process? And, and if you are concerned that you don't, how do you go about refining it?
0: So, How I understand that I have a great process is not only has the process worked for myself where I said I started in this industry making $13 an hour as a comfort advisor, selling 3.8 million, average ticket, 19.5, closing 72% on tech turnover, 67% on marketing calls, making over 300,000. That's something I never thought I was going to make, right? In a million years. Now. Also, on top of that, everyone that I train or, or a lot of people that listen to the podcast even reach out to me and just let me know that after I leave, how much just by following a process helped elevate them to the next level where they were able to buy their houses or you know go on that dream vacation with their family. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The thing about me that makes me different than all these trainers, you guys, is I talk the talk and I walk the walk. Now, again, I'm not just that trainer that sits inside on an on-site in a classroom with your, with your team and just sits there and just goes into an eight-hour presentation, right? That's boring. No one wants to sit in a classroom. They want to see that the trainer could implement in the field what they're training right. and what they're teaching. So that's why I say I walk the walk and I talk the talk. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, of the training. We do a two hour classroom training from 8 a.m. to 10 o'clock, and then we break out and do tra- uh, right along. Now, it's a proven fact that I can take my, my process that I've done in California at 19.5, and listeners listening to this, they go, Oh, you're from California, right? I hear it all the time. That's why your average ticket is 19. I do this from the East Coast to the West Coast running my same seven-step process, you guys, I don't even need to know what or how much uh, that company charges for their system. I just go based off of everything and I want to inform and educate technicians and comfort advisors that as long as you build a relationship with the homeowner and create value, I mean, you could sell whatever you want. You could sell 20,000 as long as it's justified, right? You have to be ethical while you do this. But as long as you guys build value, build a relationship, there's no reason why a homeowner can't move forward with you.
2: Yeah, that was amazing, uh, Jay. And, that, and that, is, um, that is the end of the funnel, so to speak. The end result of everything we're doing in our trucks and as comfort advisors is trying to get to that end result of the client wanting to do business with us. And having that process just it's such a shortcut to that. Like you might get there anyway out of sheer luck or just being somebody who's standing there with something that they need, but having a process, even on, the, even on the calls you go to where you would probably end up getting the job anyway, will make you get there a lot faster.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you, I mean, that don't have a process right now that are listening to the podcast and they're like, you know what, I'm still selling stuff right now look at it. It's summertime. Of course, you're selling stuff. Wait until <laughs> slow season starts. See if you're still selling stuff. Cause that's what separates the men from the boys, right? Is the slow season still producing three, 400,000 closing at 60, 70%. That's what's going to separate you. If you want to be that top 1%. So let
2: me ask you, Jay, um, do you, who do you have for, you You mentioned Weldon Long and Weldon Long, I would say, is, is a mentor to a lot of people in this industry, for sure, over the last several years. Um, you mentioned consistency selling and the power of consistency. Um, mm-hmm. any, any other mentors that you, you, I mean, we have one shared, I know, in Tom Hopkins. Uh, any other mentors uh-huh. that, that you look back to and say, these are people that helped me get where I am, whether you ever met them or not?
0: Absolutely, man. I mean... The thing that makes me so special is I've had the opportunity to create great relationships and friendships in this industry that a lot of people don't at my fingertips. You know, Weldon Long is not only a mentor of mine, but he's a really close friend of mine. You know, I've gone to his house. He came to my house. I mean, we've had dinner at each other's house. Um, you know, I'll be going out there in October to do an on-site training at his company. Um, you know, Joe Cerseris. Joe Cercera is also another mentor of mine. You know, Joe Cercera has been in the industry since the, the early 80s, you know, maybe even sooner than that. And, you know, he's, he's been there always to help me with the advice of being a trainer, not really the comfort advisor side of it, but how to get my HVAC Masters of the Hustle on site training to the next level. Um, you know, and then obviously you said Tom Hopkins, right? Uh, You know, first off, I got to say thank you because you guys are the ones that are giving me the opportunity to get them on the podcast next month. So without you guys, right, talking about the power of networking, that wouldn't have even been an option of me. So I wanted to say thank you guys from the bottom of my heart to allow that to happen.
2: Yeah, it's our pleasure, man. All all we did was uh, make the email intro and you took it from there. And I know his uh, GM loved what she heard and was are excited about doing your podcast.
0: Absolutely, man, and I'm excited. And you know, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick, if you guys don't mind, since we're towards the end of this podcast, is I want to leave your listeners with this. Uh, there's three things that I always talk about. You guys, I talk about understanding what your purpose is, what drives you, and your why. Okay, so let me start with what drives me first. So. For the listeners on this podcast, uh, you know, I have two boys. Uh, My first boy is Don. He's five years old. My wife and I adopted him. We met him for the first time at eight months. Um, He's five years old right now. The first time I held that little boy, you know, that's a life form. You know, that's my responsibility. And knowing the, the life that he came from prior, I knew that I wasn't on this earth just to create financial freedom right i'm here on this earth to create generational wealth for this little boy and his family and uh my other son is jace and my wife and i just adopted jace uh about a month ago and he's eight months old little boy and you know same thing my wife just got a whole bunch bigger you know creating that generational wealth and then my drive is you know I talked about having severe learning disabilities, you know, being a $3.8 million dot, dollar guy as a comfort advisor, going to these training events, people would want to hear these numbers from me and I wasn't used to that. And I, I wasn't used to people wanting to know information from me because of the intelligent level that I had growing up, you know, talking about when I was, you know, third grade, I had a huge speech problem where I couldn't communicate. I was taken out of class for speech therapy, um, on top of that, I was diagnosed with severe learning disabilities, ADD and ADHD. So every quarter having these problems, we have teacher parent conference meetings and my teachers would ask me, hey, Jason, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve this quarter? And I'd say the same thing. I want to make honorable. I want to put that bumper sticker on the back of my parents' car because I see all my friends do that. You know, and I would set my expectations up here and unfortunately, my teachers would, take the rug and pull it from underneath me. And they'd say, you know what? Let's go ahead and just set our expectations to a C average, Jason. So that was all my life is, hey, I want this level of success. And people dictating, no, let's just go ahead and do this, right? Telling me how much level of success I could achieve. Until high school, I went to my parents and I said, you know what? I don't want to take learning center classes anymore. I'm tired of my teachers reading my test for me because I can't comprehend what I'm reading. I want to try everything on my own. So I did it, you guys. And all four years of high school I had a weighted GPA of three point five. So at that time I learned with consistency, dedication and hard work, I I could do anything I put my mind to. I'm not going to let that person across for me tell me what level of success I could achieve. Okay. And then also my purpose. My purpose is to help every single individual because I've been financially strapped where I got my truck repoed, I've been in that situation where I couldn't pay my bills. I couldn't pay for groceries, right? I was, I mean, I wasn't even eating tough ramen. I was, you know, hopefully hoping that my friends would buy dinner for me because if they didn't, I wouldn't be eating. So the stress is real, you guys. I want you guys to understand what drives you, what's your why, and what's your purpose. And once you guys understand that, the sky's the limits of what you guys could achieve because now I'm booked out over a year doing on site. I get the privilege of traveling the country, right? But I'm also sacrificing being away from my family because I know what I have to sacrifice in the next two years to be on top of the mountain because my mission is not only to be on the top of the mountain, but I'm bringing all you guys with me.
1: That's awesome, man. Love that mentality and kudos to you, uh, for overcoming all of that. And and, I mean, man, you are, you're on your way. Let's just say it that way.
2: Yeah. And it's going to be, it's, it's great to see already. And it's going to be great to, to watch your ascension. Um, if you were, if you were in a truck still driving call to call other than obviously HVAC masters of the hustle and the waste no Uh day podcast, what would J Dub be listening to?
0: Oh, man, uh, you know, I'm a full believer to always keep motivation, positive stuff. So first off, I would probably be listening to the Survival Guide Clothes Book from Grant Cardone. I mean, this is just audio, audio, audio of just objection after objection after objection. And it's hours and hours and hours of it. And that's really how I fine tuned my skills. In order to stay in the batter's box and object and overcome and handle those objections and just knock them out of the park. So again, consistency of selling by Weldon or not Weldon Long, sorry, Grant Cardone, and then also audio, um, podcast, audio, your your podcast, my podcast. You know, you got Rhino's podcast, which is a great podcast. You got the all point. these podcasts to the point. Yeah, you got all these great podcasts that are popping up. And this is free content, you guys. This is literally our hard work that we're putting out there to help you guys get to the next level. So if you guys don't have a mentor, make sure you guys find a mentor. You don't want to overload yourself with like five different mentors or anything like that, uh, you know, and make sure that you guys find that great podcast that you guys want to lock into and make sure you guys are consistent.
2: And as our buddy, uh, as our shared buddy Gene Slade says, those who pay pay attention. So don't be afraid to come out of come out of your pocket a little bit. Find a mentor and and uh, subscribe to his paid stuff, and see where it gets you. It's it's not a twenty year contract. Just try it and see what happens.
0: Absolutely, you guys, including including J Dub. <laughs> Absolutely. And you guys could check out my website. It's www.hvacmasters with an S of the hustle.com. Again, www.hvacmasters of the hustle.com. You can get all my podcasts on there. You can get all my testimonials. If you guys want to find out about my on site trains, my online trains, all that information is on there as well. And uh, I'm super excited to maybe be a part of you guys' growth to the next level.
1: That's awesome, man! Uh, it was so good to have you on the podcast today. Uh, really appreciate it. The, the topic there, the power of a process. I mean, you have it so streamlined and so just matter of fact. This is what works, and this is it, it works because you know it works. Like you've done it in the field. It's not some theory you put together in your basement. You know, this is stuff that you've proved and tried and tested over years and years. That's good stuff.
0: Absolutely, man. Thanks for allowing me to be on the podcast.
1: Awesome. Hey, we, we can't let you go without asking you a few fun questions here at the end. We'd love to do that with our guests just to get a little bit more interesting with them.
0: Absolutely. All
1: right. Uh, so, uh, what's your favorite um, movie series or movie trilogy or, you know, kind of like uh, uh, the, you know, multi series movies?
0: So, my favorite movie multi-series is back to the future hands down
1: all right nice uh so they're they're gonna do a casting call for back to the future here what character are you going to be applying for
0: oh man um marty
2: yeah, who, who in the world says anybody but
0: Marty? I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Marty.
1: <laughs> I mean, it could be Doc. You know? I, I, I might know. I might go with Biff.
0: T- Doc would be cool, but I got to be Marty, man.
1: Hey, how tall are you, Jay? I'm 6'3",
0: 200 pounds, man, and it's okay. crazy because when people see me in person, they're like, you're big. I, I, social media. You look small. I'm like, oh, I guess.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Nate's Nate's like five nine. Uh, I don't know, one seventy five. So insulting. Nate's gonna be Marty, and you're gonna be Biff. <laughs> <laughs> <I>
0: mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> Just want to hear you call him McFly a couple times.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Man,
1: that sounds heavy. <laughs> All right. Hey, the Olympics are coming up here in a little bit. Uh, what would be the most likely Summer Olympic event that you would compete in?
0: Oh, Summer Olympics, huh? Um, they don't do wrestling in the Olympics anymore. Uh, Summer Olympics, I'll probably swim. I don't know. I like swimming. All right. I'm not good at it, but
1: <laughs> watch out, Phelps. J Dub's coming. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> all right. So, speaking to somebody who's traveling all across the nation, where is the best place to eat? What state or
0: Oh, Alabama
1: Alabama. Uh, what, what Birmingham,
0: Alabama Or Mobile, Alabama uh, So I'm a big barbecue guy Now I was go the best gum place trip. I had barbecue It's not the best place I had barbecue uh, But they have The best food from seafood To barbecue across the board Now the best place I had barbecue Traveling the nation Surprisingly it's not Texas It's not in the south it's in the East Coast, New Jersey. Really? Huh. Yes. Yeah.
1: The armpit of America. Shout out to Jersey. <laughs> the armpit <people>. of
0: America. <laughs> absolutely. Man, I'm telling you, it's called Missions Barbecue. There go this all two place, of our
2: uh, there go all two of our Jersey listeners. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Jersey <laughs> listeners, I know you guys know about Missions Barbecue. That place is hands down the best place I've ever had barbecue. It's
1: awesome. All right, last one for you, buddy. Uh, what is a simple thing that still blows your mind?
0: A simple thing that still blows my mind. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, the the power of, uh, you know, positivity. The, I, as when I talk about it, it's very simple, right? But it's very... Um, addicting, you know, one thing that I know is if you go into a house with positivity and that homeowner sitting in front of you and they're kind of like, you know, walls are up and everything like that, the power of breaking down the walls just by, you know, being positive will go a long way.
2: That's so true. Uh, you, you can, you can see the <clears throat> morning meeting getting ready to go underway and everybody's sitting there, you know, a little tired, not really ready to be up and, and moving. moving. And that one positive tech comes walking in, fist bumping and high fiving everybody.
0: Lights up the smile, room,
2: and it just it follows him like like it's it's almost magic. It's a hundred percent true.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's one thing that I know. Is, you know, it doesn't matter what type of day someone's ha- having, you should always try to make a positive impact in someone's life. Everyone that you guys reach.
2: Yeah, I saw a quote recently, and I don't remember who it was from, but it said, uh, if you see somebody with a smile, let them borrow yours.
0: Absolutely love it.
2: Love it.
1: Hey, good, right, buddy. good stuff today, Jay. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Make sure that our listeners uh, find you at hvcmastersofthehustle.com, and you can also check you out on, I'm sure you're on all the streaming uh, podcast sites and uh, platforms, yeah?
0: Absolutely. And social media, Jason Walker or HVAC matches the hustle as well as all the other social media platforms out there. Awesome, man.
1: Hey, so good to be with you today. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, man, keep on wasting another day. You get out there and do it every single day. We appreciate you uh, joining us and, and uh, encouraging the people in the trades.
0: Absolutely, man. It was an honor to uh, be on the podcast. Keep crushing it, you guys. Absolutely.
1: All right, man. All right. Have Thanks, a great week. Take care, guys. Hey, that's it for our podcast today. Hope you guys really enjoyed listening to J-Dub Moneymaker. It was a great show. And, man, did he have some really good stuff there as far as process. That's something we want to encourage you in here at Waste No Day is to get a process. If you don't have one and you think you're just going to go out there and win and do stuff, uh, yeah, forget it, man. That's like going to the football, you know, going to play a football game and having zero playbook and think you're going to be beating Andy Reid out there. It's just not going to happen. You're going to get absolutely pounced on. So get yourself a process. If you don't know what that looks like, find somebody who has some success and ask them what are you doing consistently that gets you there, and then start building your own process. Jason gave you seven easy steps. If you want to learn more about that, you can also check out his resources. But get yourself a process. It's important, and those who have a process will perform far more consistently than those who do not. That's something we want to remind you about here at Waste No Day, that there is an importance to doing what you do. Be intentional with your time. Be intentional with your day. Be intentional with your energy. This isn't just something to wake up and collect a paycheck and go home. There's something more here. You can be somebody better than you are right now, and you can choose to get there by waking up every single morning and wasting no day.